0: Last week we began talking about uh, evangelism and the gospel. So let's recap, review what is evangelism. Is it important? We live in a bad news world, don't we? Hopefully, you got that Sunday right. Uh, the world is inundated with bad news. That is, that we're lost. That we're judgment and it's also important because it is, a, uh, it is a stewardship for us as God's ambassadors I mean he we don't have the power to go out and save anyone but we, we have a responsibility to go out and share the good news because God's commanded us to So we have a responsibility for this stewardship to go out and share. Can't make them convert, but we can certainly share. And God does the converting in his time and and, um, according to his purposes. So we're commanded to evangelize. We touched on it a little bit last week, and I want to unpack it more this week. But why do we not evangelize? Fear of what? Huh? All, kind of fears. All kinds of fears. Okay, well, let's throw them up there. <laughs> Ridicule. Ridicule? not here. That's that's a good word. um, We do it wrong. Uh, Mess it up. Just don't know how. Although we said the survey last week we looked at 75% of Christians say that's not the issue for them that they have fear. Yes, but they're not worried about not knowing how they, they think they know how we just have other reasons for not doing it. What else fear? legitimate, but these are things in our minds that we use as excuses, right? I'm too busy, or I don't think about it.
1: Some
0: people don't think it's their job. Um, What? I said Calvary. Okay, well, they're kind of, they're a God says he's going to do it, so why does he need me to do it? Well, I've already told you that. He commanded us to do it, so that's enough reason right there, right? Um, Fear, busy, too busy, don't take time, fatalist, um, other distractions. Maybe a week in the conviction department may travel alongside some of this but like the commitment. You know when you don't want to do something one excuse is a good. No. Uh, just not committed to it. So this is about weak motivation, inspiration. We have to be careful of these because we can turn this into legalism, can't we? The bottom line is we look for reasons not to do it. It's kinda of like me and exercise. You know? Every day I think, okay, tomorrow I need I got to go to the gym. Tomorrow I got to go walk. But in the oh, I forgot my shoes or oh, I didn't do this, or I didn't do that, or I've got to go do this. So, I really didn't want to do it. That's the problem, right? So, any any convenient excuse will do. How um, about lovelessness? And, and that covers, you know, we don't love the Lord like we claim we do, and we don't love the people that He died for like we... Should like we're commanded to? Oh, lots of lots of reasons for that. I go on, Jerry. How about this lack of preparation? I mean, a witness you need to have some kind of, kind of, like you said last week, testimony or plan. Yeah, that that kind of goes to a uh, a discipline. There's there's a lack of discipline on that front because anything. Anything that you set out to do, if you're ill-prepared, you're not near as confident or bold or anxious to get at it, are you? So if there's a lack of discipline in this area, whether it's being prayed up, prayer, and we can say prayer. Good question, that You fill in the blank. If we're not praying, you know, we're not giving God the opportunity to, to uh, compel us You know, the scripture says we're compelled by the love of Christ. We're controlled by the love of Christ. If we're not controlled by the love of Christ, then there's a lot of things that Christ has told us to do we're not going to do. When we're compelled by the love of Christ, we're going to pursue the things that he loves, right? So we know that if he's willing to come and die on a cross for our sin, then this is a, a pretty big deal for him, you know? So if we don't do it, all these things factor in. And the list is probably endless. We can probably go on and on and on. Um yeah, you know? and
2: what, one of the things I think happens with, with me um, is just like with the exercise, I try to make it an event in place of a way of life. If if we really have our
0: priorities right, it's actually a way of life. That's right. And uh, I, I think I, I fight that more than I do anything else, any of, any of these others. They're all there. But I, I think recognizing that it's really not an event. That's right. It's a way of life. I, I had an interesting conversation uh, many years ago with a guy. Uh, I grew up, I said the other day, I grew up fishing and loving to fish like most boys, I guess. But most of my fishing when I was growing up, were, was in trout streams and rivers and things like that, where you, know, you, you knew where the fish were from above the waterline, you know I mean? You can tell this is where they're gonna be, right? When you go to the lake, it's a lot more, you feel like it's just all about luck then, right? You know, until you get these fish finders and all that kind of stuff. Well, I didn't, my dad and I started doing, when he retired, I started going with him and we would fish on the lake. And I get frustrated because we didn't catch anything. And so I started talking to a couple of guys that were really good fishermen, you know. Everybody knew they were good fishermen, and I'm trying, I'm trying to learn how can we catch fish. I really, I really didn't care for me, but my dad's retired. I want him to get to catch some fish, you know. This, this would be something we could enjoy together. And so we got to talking about it, and one guy said something to me one day that just always stuck with me, and he said, well, I just want to know, do you love catching fish or do you love fishing? And I said, what? And he said, well, there's a difference. He said, there are people that love to fish and then there are people that love to catch fish. And I said, well, I want to catch fish. And he said, yeah, see, that's the problem. <laughs> he said, I love to fish. Whether I catch anything or not, I go to fish. And I'm a, because I love to fish, I fish all the time. I'm going to catch more than my share of fish. But he said you don't catch fish so you go if you don't catch any fish in an hour you're ready to pack it in and go home right and you may not come back for weeks or months me I'm gonna go every day if I get half a chance because I love to fish and that's to your point we have to learn to love want to love fishing spiritually for people looking for those opportunities one of the things that's uh, very hard in this area has been for me is number one is people are very private, first of all, so they withdraw, they, if they don't know you, they don't really wanna give a chance to get to know you. Uh, today I went into a place, I went into a Five Guys to grab something for lunch, and it's a new one, I've never been in it before, and it was full. So I, I get my stuff, and guy in front of me came in about the same time I did, you know it was kinda like, go ahead, no, you go ahead, and so he went in front of me, he got his stuff, I got my stuff. And we came down on the other side of a column and there was one place to sit and it was kind of like a little you know, high top that was long. And I came around on this side, he came around on this side and we both arrived at the same time and looked at each other and I said, I don't mind if you don't mind. And he said, I don't mind. And we sat down and we talked for just a minute, but then you know, he was on the phone. And, and that was the end of any conversation. You get those kind of things that it's hard to do that. The other side of it, because that seems to be the general rule, that when you do get an opportunity teed up for you, you very often miss it because you're not paying attention. Not a good listener. Huh? Not a good listener. Right. Or, you know, just, you can sit there and yeah, 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 but you're not, you don't have your antenna turned to the right frequency. We're talking about, he's talking about his dog, or he's talking about this, or we're talking about this new restaurant and when did it get here, and I... I was just here the other day and there was nothing but a parking lot here. How'd this happen? You're talking about those things, but when somebody tees up a spiritual thing that you could go, there's an, there's an entryway to get to the gospel and you don't, even, you don't even see it. You know, you go on about your business and five minutes later you go, oh, I missed it. Why wasn't I paying attention? You know, there it was. It, it was just like that. That's because Jerry, we human beings we talk, i listen to you thinking, how am I going to respond? Mm-hmm. It's not what you're saying. Well, or we're talking about stuff that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know? But if we were listening, if we understood the eternal context in which we're encountering people, that these are souls, these are spiritual beings that are on their way just like we are from point A into eternity. And, you know, we want, our job is to be finding out what we need to know about them. And do they know the right way? You know, do they have any questions about this path they're on? Because we got the inside information is the way we have to look at it. And I don't mean that in a condescending kind of way. We have to be humble about it, but we have to understand, I got the inside scoop on the truth here. So I have a responsibility. Just as if I were standing out here on 400 and knew that the Chattahoochee Bridge was out, I better be trying to find ways to flag people down. I'd be irresponsible to do anything less, wouldn't I? If I knew they were just going to go right off the road and plunge right into the river and some of them maybe tragically would lose their life that way. I need to be warning them. We need to be seeing life that way. The people that are moving in and out, weaving in and out that we're encountering day by day, same thing, except there's this, there's this hole out there that's called hell that people are just barreling straight ahead and they're only paying attention to the scenery as they're going through this life. They're not paying attention to what's out there in the front. We know what's there and what's not there and we should be warning them. But we're not thinking that way. So we have to, have to try to change some of that. Um, I'm gonna, I put together, I did a little research here on reasons that we don't share. Okay? Now it's not Rocket science. These are some of them are some of them are overlapping. Okay. Some of them are similar. Some of them are different. just want one pass them around. This first one was um, was pulled off of. Um, it's actually had a link to Christianity today. And it's about seven reasons not to share and then why we should go ahead and do it anyway. My Chris Lutz. Reasons we don't share. He says, I'm not smart enough. Uh, I don't want to make anybody mad. My friends will make fun of me. None of my Christian friends do it. I'm not a very good Christian. There, boom, there it is. Uh, All my friends are Christians. Whoa, what happens then? If all you people you know and all your family are saved, what do you do then? Need to make some more friends, don't you? I don't even know where to start. Okay? Those are pretty, those are probably pretty accurate. If we were to be really honest and now that we've primed the we can say, yeah, you know, all those fit me up here. These are reasons I don't share. Uh, Desiring God, which I think is, I think I've got these in the same order you do, offers four reasons we don't share and then four steps to sharing more, which I thought were very good four obstacles to evangelism lack of gospel knowledge we identified apathy don't really care much about lost people fear what will others think of me lack of compassion there's the love thing we overcome obstacles together not alone four steps to sharing more pray together for the lost recall the gospel together apply the gospel together prove the power of the gospel together really good little article um And I guess I'm providing these to you in hopes that they will inspire, challenge, that you read through them. Uh, The next two, I think, are both by, no, one's by Chuck Lawless. The first one's by Tom Rainer, and then one's by Chuck Lawless. Nine reasons Christians don't evangelize. Many don't know what evangelism is. It's not inviting people to church. Evangelism is actually sharing the gospel, our lostness, our need for Christ what Christ has done, and actually inviting people to respond to it. We have few evangelistic role models. Some church members aren't convinced about lostness. Some churches have provided no evangelism training. It's what we're doing right now. You can see we had to beat them away at the door tonight. Fear of the unknown halts our efforts. We've gotten over our salvation. We've gotten over the excitement, the thrill. Uh, Pastors aren't taking the lead in evangelism. We're all guilty of that. We don't really know many lost people anyway. We get into this igloo that's called the Christian community and we don't interact with people that are lost. You're about to always have some lost people in your life uh, that you're praying for and sharing with. Uh, we don't care about non-believers. So again, some overlap. Uh, Chuck Lawless, 10 reasons beyond fear that believers don't evangelize. So this is beyond fear, these are other reasons. No one's ever told, told them it's their responsibility. They don't know many non-believers anyway. They're not really believers. Ooh. They're undisciplined pluralists. They think everybody's getting in. Uh, they see no need theologically. You know, God, God will take care of God's business. We don't need to help Him. Uh, the church quenched their zeal. Ouch. Think that's possible? That the church can quench the zeal to share the gospel? What would do that? A church that quarrels? A church that bickers and fusses or a church that's focused on the wrong things itself Uh, they don't know the gospel well they've bought into political correctness can't tell them, get in trouble they're caught in their own sin, they're bound up in the struggles of life, distracted and then the last one is from Nine Marks five reasons we don't evangelize churches isolate Christians from unbelievers uh, we believe that evangelism is extraordinary. Churches don't talk about the cost of following Jesus. We look for immediate results. We love catching fish, but we don't love fishing. Um, we aren't clear on the message. So all of these, they travel in the same circles. They're, they're good grist for your meal. If you're really serious about growing in, in evangelism and, and beget, you know, getting a little bit more proactive in doing it, I would encourage you to take some time and and sort through them, pray through them. You know, ask the Lord to examine you in light of the things on these lists. You know, and pray that that not be me. Or if this is an area that's really an area that I'm guilty of, then, then Lord, take me to some scriptures and show me how you can deliver me from this and strengthen this area of my life. Because honestly, all of us have some of these going on we all are weak in this area every Christian I know it's, I, there aren't many people I know that are just sharing their faith you know constantly so we all have uh, some growth areas there all right um, obstacles, obstacles to evangelism are extremely common among Christian followers if we know what they are, then we can better position ourselves to overcome them. So I want to talk some tonight about how we can overcome these obstacles. These kinds of things. And we may not be able to identify all of them that we know are obstacles, but you may have one or two that are that you know for certain are big things. So how do you go about overcoming that? We can we can read things like this that may be. God can use to challenge us or motivate us, point out to us where we're not, we're not being faithful to Him. Um, we can read biographies of people who have sacrificed, you know, uh, missionaries. Uh, Adoniram Judson, uh, his biography is a great biography. One of the first missionaries to be sent out from the United States uh, went to what we know as Myanmar now, uh, Burma, back then. And, I mean, lost his wife, lost children, lost another wife. I mean, his testimony is incredible. And I want to say, I can't remember for sure, I want to say it was there like nine years before the first convert occurred. Nine years before he saw a convert. Uh, but and, and I know you're thinking, well, who wants to read that? That sounds depressing, you know? People are dying and nobody's getting saved. And But the perseverance. Sounds
2: like Jeremiah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. well it's not I mean it is sad on, on many levels but it's also inspiring to think that if somebody can lay their life down you know in a time where travel was, was very difficult I mean you know we're talking like a six month boat ride to get there um, you know and when they, leave, when they left the United States or they left their home base they all knew for all practical purposes they weren't going to see family again this was goodbye for good. And, and they were willing to embrace that, you know, for the cause of the gospel. To people that in many cases were hostile, angry, you know, resented it, maybe even was a threat to them, as i.e. Jim Elliott, okay, uh, who, who would oppose them to the point of death. And yet they still went. So that inspires me that if they can do that, what's to keep me from asking a guy, you know, across the, the table eating a cheeseburger, you know, if he if he goes to church and if he's got any spiritual beliefs. I mean, what's he going to do? Say, look, I don't want to talk about that or get up and leave. Okay, fine. He's not going to pull a spear out and thrust it through me, you know. Yeah. Um, he's not going to call the Unless cops and I'm not going to get arrested. <laughs>
2: What? Unless you go for his cheeseburger.
0: <laughs> he was a big guy. I wasn't going to do that. He was also a first responder, so I wasn't going to mess with him. Um, uh, he could, you know, he could bring me back to life. He could take me out. So, <laughs> so
2: you know, uh, I think James hit it. I've been thinking about what he said ever since he said, it. you know, that uh, we look at evangelism as an event rather than a way of life. And I thought about Cliff you know, in his current situation, and he's in a hospital, and he walks around in the ward, and in spite of the fact that he is in a very tenuous health situation, you know, he spreads joy along that floor, which doesn't have a whole lot of joy to begin with. And to me, that's that's what James was referring to. I remember I've been in the hospital a few times lately, none of which were my own choice. But it's amazing how often you get presented with opportunities. Like one night I was in my room, you know, you can't rest in a hospital. There's no way to get rest there. But I was in my room and it was dark. I was reading my Kindle. I was reading a book called, uh, What is the Gospel? Uh, why was I reading that book? I, I know everything about the gospel, right? But I was reading that book and a nurse came in and she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm reading a book. So, what are you reading? Hmm. I said, I'm reading a book called What is the Gospel? She says, well, what is it? <laughs> I mean, if that's the situation, I mean, I wasn't prepared. I mean, I wasn't prepared for that. But i was able to answer her question and present the gospel to her and what she did with it i don't know but she listened and well, we what talked she did
0: for with it is not not only
2: right to
0: what what she did with it is not on you
2: that's right exactly
0: it's but what did you do with the opportunity that was presented
2: i could have said oh i don't know what you don't want
0: Say so, well, I could tell you, but I'm in a hospital right now, so I'm not in any condition to share it with you. But why don't you come to my church in a couple weeks, and I'll be there, and we'll talk. Yeah, about let
2: it. me give you the address of my church. My <laughs> preacher, he, he's really a good preacher, and he <laughs> tell you what So thanks, James. I, that was uh, uh, something that made me think about uh, where we fail sometimes. Is is not? I don't know. I'm not afraid to share the gospel, but we just look for something, some blinding light that comes out and says, "Okay, share it with that person," you know. And I've had numerous opportunities, just out of the blue, person come up or ask a question, or I've seen you in here before, like you go to a, a, a restaurant and you, you start talking to him, and it's amazing, it's absolutely amazing. And the only reason that those situations arise is because God did. That's
0: right. You know, there's. Um, I have a theory on this stuff, and I think that our biggest problem is uh, normalcy in life. You know, when you start talking about Cliff, it it kind of jumps back into my mind. Why? Think about Cliff right now. What what's different between me and Cliff? Cliff's got nothing else to do right now. Cliff's mind. And and life and perspective are at a different place right now than any of us in this room. That's
1: right.
0: He's fighting for his life. He He's staring at the end of life, possibly. Possibly. Okay? I mean, he's had that wake-up call. And he's got nothing on his plate but what he's dealing with in that. And everything is in a different perspective through Cliff's lens right now. And... And he's living that out in the way that he's encountering people around him because they're all facing a similar situation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, same thing that you'll see the team from Senegal or the team that went to Senegal for the last week, they unhooked from this world, this life, their normalcy, and they went, and this is all they had on their plate to do, you know, is take their meals every day and their regular, you know, hygiene Kind of things, but they were there. This was all that was in front of them was to go and look for opportunities to share the gospel. And we don't live daily in that vein. We usually don't think about it in those kind of terms until we're faced with something like Cliff is. Until we we face something that puts in perspective how short this life is, and that you know if this life is all you're hoping in, then you're you're a fool, you know. So somehow we have to navigate that as believers and we have to start living on that edge that this is not my home and this is temple. And today, this next moment, this next breath could be my last one in this world. Am I ready to burst into that new world and that new presence with Christ having completed the race that he assigned for me here? And what about the people in my wake as I leave? You know, have I been faithful as a steward with the gospel for those? You know, I've been a believer for over fifty years in this world. There's been a lot of people cross my path in fifty years, you know, in all corners of the world. What have I done with those opportunities? That's that's what we have to and I don't again, we can get into legalism. I don't want to get into legalism where we're beating ourselves up over this and say, "Oh boy, I've wasted all my whole life and now I'm just going to curl up in a fetal position and die." No, what we have to do is learn from it and say, "What can I how can I live my life tomorrow if God gives me that that gift of tomorrow here in this world? How can I serve him? That ought to be my first priority. Is how can I serve him and be a testimony for the gospel because this is the riches that I give up everything else to go and pursue. We're back to the parable of the pearl out in the field. Mm-hmm. You know, you discover the pearl in the field, you go and sell all that you have that you that you can buy this field so that you can have that pearl. And that's the picture of the gospel. And we don't view this that way. The rich young ruler did. That's why he turned and walked away sad because he was unwilling to give up everything else in order to have Christ. He didn't see him as of infinite value. Um, And so that's where it comes down to, I think, is is, do we see him as uh, infinite, unlimited value? Uh, Or are we living like the things in this world are what's unlimited value? And, And that's a mistake, isn't it? Cliff's not living that way right now because he's looking dead on into eternity and the end of things in this life. And and one of the things you see typically for all of us, all of us in this room, I mean uh certainly not uh Lisa or Audrey maybe, but all of us are getting older, right? We we're, we're getting closer. You know, I start thinking, wow, how did I get to be 59 years old? How did I get to be at this age? I never I never saw myself getting here. I, mean, I don't know if y'all have that experience or not, but and I'm thinking so, <laughs> I'm not the smartest guy, not the smartest guy in the room, but you know I can do some math, and so I start thinking, sixty today, let's say I get you know my granddaddy died at seventy five that's fifteen years. I've been here fifteen years, that's not very long, and that's a that's a positive good you know scenario, probably, but we need to be thinking. Could be over tomorrow. What have I done with my life? You know, okay, I've raised a family. I've done hopefully we've all invested in things. We've served in our churches. We've done things that that have, have been honorable to the Lord, you know, been good stewards of the Lord. But there are lots of opportunities that are still before us. You know, even as we get older, you know, we don't just curl up and die. One of the things I like about uh Brother Ken there is he's always got a project going on. He's always got a project going on. He's not sitting around whiling away the hours, you know. Um, There, there are people that they get to a certain point, and then they just, you know, okay, I've got my little, I got to feed myself every day, and I got to change clothes every day. But other than that, you know, I'm going to watch Price is Right, and that's all I'm going to do. You know, (laughs) Price is Right. Well, whatever's on that I don't know. (laughs) What what are you're the game show person? What's what's on Jeopardy or whatever it is? I don't
2: know. Price is Right.
0: Well, I wouldn't know that, but I thank you for clearing that up for me. I know, I know I never can find it on the TV. I know why now. It's not out there. But you get the message, okay? We, we need to change our, our thinking about this, I think. We need to think about differently about life and about its purpose. Um, we have a tendency, especially in America, I think, you know, all of us in this room right now would, would point our fingers at people in our culture and be critical of them because we see them as being having entitled attitudes. Well, they're entitled. They feel entitled. Well, you know, truthfully, all of us Americans are entitled. We feel entitled. I'm entitled to the life I've got. I'm entitled to the time I've got. I'm entitled to this, 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 and this. But we're not. You know, God's grace has given us this. You know, we, for so many years, I'm convinced that, you know, I don't care uh, about the political... Uh, landscape near as much as I did years ago, because I've come to realize that you know all the human government's going to be corrupt at some point and level. But the the beauty of what we've had here in this country is the freedom to send out the gospel. We've had the resources and the freedom to send resources anywhere imaginable on the face of the earth. Um, and as long as churches continue to do that here in America, then you know that's a good thing. But you saw that with with Britain during the days of the colonial empire when they they were going out uh, all over the world is that they were being driven a lot by the gospel to do those things and some places they did a good job with it, some places they did not same thing with Canada same thing with the United States and and when we run the course where we're no longer interested in doing that I think then we'll see the curtain fall on the so-called freedoms that we enjoy and know um, and we'll see somebody else start enjoying them that will be faithful with the gospel. <clears throat> so, all right, let's move on. So how can we overcome the, the obstacles? Prayer is absolutely essential to winning this battle, to overcoming any of these, any of these things. I'm, I'm going to give you several here. Uh, if you're really serious about overcoming these obstacles, first of all, we need to learn to prayerfully read and meditate on Scripture about lostness in God's judgment. Okay? The Bible's full of it. Okay? We we can read, um, you know, a Psalm 51 where David is convicted and is repentant for his sin with Bathsheba and the subsequent murder of her husband dealing with his sin. Or you can go to a, a Luke 16 where you've got Jesus telling the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, the poor man, and and the separation there from from hell to the bosom of Abraham or you know what what is heaven is a jewish a jewish uh idiom that that explained or describes heaven and um, so we have we have that you know, there's opportunities in scripture to study this and to say you know lord i'm having trouble being motivated to do this you know i and i want to i have my fears my my lovelessness, my lack of discipline, the distractions, all these things are getting in the way and they're becoming excuses and I don't want to be that. I want to be faithful. So I want to pray and meditate over these areas of you know, where we're commanded to go with the gospel, where the gospel is shared and people come to Christ and where the gospel you know where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, unless you're born again, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's pretty clear and then he goes on to talk about it. you're judged already if you're, if you're not born again you're already judged it's not a matter of you got to do something to be judged you've already done it by being born so praying over those and asking God to take that and begin to kindle a fire within us that this is an important thing and, and we have the opportunity and you don't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to be able to share the gospel you know three things the gospel you know, before Christ, met Christ, after Christ. Didn't we talk about that last week in your testimony? You tell somebody that and, and they begin to couple that with what they see in your life and the Lord will take care of that, showing them the spirit of God within you. Then that will lead to, you know, we, we look in the Bible and begin to extrapolate what the gospel is for them to see. And God will begin to, to do the work. All you have to do is be willing, the willing partner, the willing available servant. Uh, carrying the water, you know, uh, God will help them drink it. Uh, a second thing we do, we pray. We ask God to help identify lost people in your circles of activity and influence. So, you know, some of you know you got family members that don't know the Lord, and and I know those can be some of the hardest ones to talk to. But you start praying for them. You start praying for that person that you know and saying, Lord. I want, I know that they don't have a relationship with you, and I want to share, but I'm scared, I'm frightened, I don't know if I have the right words. This person is an intellect, they're an atheist, they're going to chew me up and spit me out. And what will I do then? Well, Lord, you make me not care about those things. You, you give me the courage, the boldness. I just want to be faithful to you, so you, you give me the words, and you give me the opportunity. You show me the opportunity and, and I will walk through it. I want to be obedient and trust you to do the rest. And, and maybe it means he's got to chew me up and spit me out and I take it as a believer and still love him and, and forgive him and, and don't get defensive about it and don't let my pride be wounded over it and maybe that's the witness that will get his attention. And the next time that gains some respect in his eyes so the next time I may actually have an opportunity to share something with him that matters because now I've got credibility in his eyes. Now he knows what a Christian, the difference between a Christian and an atheist is that the Christian isn't trying to defend himself. The Christian isn't full of pride and arrogance, but the the Christian is being, you know, humble, even to the point of suffering for the cause of Christ, being ridiculed. Blessed are you when when they ridicule and mock you, right? Uh, Ask God for a compelling love for him and for those who do not know him. You know, Lord, help me. You've commanded me to love others as I love myself, and I don't have any trouble loving me. You know, that comes as natural, doesn't it? Man, I I will move heaven and earth to protect Jerry, you know, to do something good for Jerry. I'm all in on that one, right? So, Lord, you give me that kind of love and that kind of attitude toward other people. You know, make me a person that sees them through the same love that you see them through. You don't think God will do that? I mean, if He's commanded us to do that, all He's waiting for is you to say, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I'm pulling into the station. Fill me up. You know, set me on my way. And prayer's a key to this. Ask fulfilling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be what? Well, let's read Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, what does he say? It's a good, good verse to meditate on and pray over. I'm scared. I don't know what I'm going to say. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Lord, I want that kind of empowerment. I want the Spirit to fill me in that way. Ask for divine appointments. Lord, send people across my path. Give me opportunities to build relationships, to minister to people, to express love to them and open doors that I might share Christ with them and evangelize. Ask God for faith and trust in Him to do the work of salvation through you. Lord, I don't want to fall into this pattern of believing it it falls on me, that it's my responsibility to convert them because it's not. It's clearly not. I can't do it. But you clearly have a purpose and that you've commanded us to go and make disciples. So I want to be available, I want to be faithful. So you use me and you do the work. You said you will. You said you will. I can rest and trust in you. Come, all right, then become familiar with some helpful resources and methods for sharing Christ. There's any number of things you can do. There's there's uh, some very simple patterns and listen. One of the worst things we can do is just get a, a canned approach, you know, where we're sitting there going, oh wait, let's see, I, they come to me in just a minute. Um, you know, you want it to be coming out of the overflow of your life. You want it to be a natural conversation. There's no nothing wrong with having uh, something to guide you. Uh, there's the ABC method. Admit. There you go. Admit you're a sinner. Believe Jesus is God. That He is the solution to your problem. Confess Him as Savior and Lord. Repent. Okay. That's pretty easy. A B C. You can remember that one, right? Um, it's the Roman Road. You can. You can do the Roman road you can do the Hosea road you can you can find a road to the gospel in a lot of books in the Bible and you can use the one you want to but the Roman road says there are none righteous they're not not one you know the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is is eternal life through Jesus Christ so you you got Romans 3 10 12 Romans 3:23, Romans 6:23, Romans 5:8, but God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ Jesus died for us. And then you get to Romans 10:9 If you confess Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 10:13 Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you can and you know you can take a New Testament we did that here a few years ago. We gave out New Testaments one Sunday morning and we walked through the Roman Road. And you just write the next the next annotation at the bottom of the page you're on. You can even buy them with it already in them now. And you can walk somebody through that and let them read it. You just let them read the verses. Say, look, here, would you read this verse? Let them read it. Then let them turn over and read the next verse. And you let them you let them evangelize themselves. Just read these scriptures and then give them the Bible when you're done with it uh, three steps to heaven I couldn't tell you how many times I've preached this three things you need to know to get to heaven I've preached in India for years and um, you know you you get people that say well, Hindus or or um, Muslims may say, you know, they believe that you know, heaven, to get to heaven's a thousand kilometers straight up or there's some kind of fancy formula to get there. You've got all these do's and don'ts. You've got to practice Ramadan. You've got to say five prayers every day. You've got to do all these things. But the scripture says there's, there's three things you've got to know, three steps you have to take to get to heaven. One is you've got to know the truth about yourself. And what's the truth about yourself? <coughs> sinner. Sinner. Bad news. That means God cannot fraternize with you. God cannot be in your presence. You can't be in God's presence. That's a big problem, right? Or you can say simply, first step is a problem. You've got to know you've got a problem. Second step. Truth number two. Jesus solves problem Jesus is the answer he's the solution to the problem God loves us so much that he wanted to satisfy he has to satisfy his own judgment he wanted to extend grace to us so he steps out of heaven born to a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit enters this world lives a perfect life does what we cannot do went to a cross and died on the cross so that we might be forgiven of our sin. Third step. Truth about eternity. What's the truth about eternity? Every human being is going to die. There's nothing you can do to stop it. The whole world is working feverishly trying to stop this process, isn't it? I'm amazed. I'm amazed that people that you see, you know, celebrities, you see them one day, you don't see them again or a picture for 10 years. Next time you see them, you go, who is that? And they go, well, that's so-and-so. That can't be so-and-so. All this stuff they've had done and they, what are they doing? They're fighting against time. They're fighting against gravity. They're fighting against the fact that we are all headed toward dying. It's appointed once for man to die. Then comes judgment, Hebrews says. So, The truth about eternity is that we're all going to die. We're not going to remain here, but we're going to live on through eternity. We leave this world. The question is, where will you spend that eternity? The Bible says there's one of two places. In heaven with God and hell with Satan. Hell wasn't made for man. Hell was made for Satan and his angels. But those that reject God and God's plan and purpose, God's going to treat them like followers of Satan. Easiest presentation of the gospel, you know, truth about sin, truth about yourself, truth about uh, truth about yourself, truth about Jesus, truth about eternity. Two ways to live. We've got these tracks that you'll see scattered around sometimes. Take you one or two of these and start getting familiar with it. Read it a great presentation of the gospel God's king creation belongs to the king man has rebelled against the king we talked about Sunday gone on to do his own thing and etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. you know the answers to it what I want you to do is your homework assignment this week is to read and get familiar with the two ways to live track and we'll, we'll go over it some next week we'll talk about it some We have a version that's designed for children under the same title. I didn't bring those for you. But if you want one, I'll get you one. It's basically the same thing. Graphics are a little different, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay? Take as many of them as you want. We have them. We want people to take them and use them. You know, you get an opportunity to share with somebody, but you need to be familiar with it first and then be able to give it to them and say... Here's what it is. Here's what it's about. You know, take it, read it, and then you and I, let's let's have coffee and you can, we'll talk about it. You can ask me questions about it, you know? You run into people that are willing to have a conversation. Okay.
2: Jerry, we keep these in our guest rooms in our house when we have guests over. Yeah. Just laying it there on the uh, end table. Yeah. Yeah. You, these
0: are great, great giveaways anywhere you go, you know? Hey, someone, hey, did you get one of these? Or leave it. On your table when you finish you know I don't have a problem leaving them on a table for a waitress or or a waiter but you know I don't like to leave them and then sneak out and you certainly don't leave them and do them wrong on the tip be generous with the tip (laughs) then you've got their attention and you leave them the track or better yet you hand them the track and say you know here's your tip and uh, I want you to thank I want to thank you for your service and, and you know, I got this special gift, and I, I'd really like for you to take this and read it um, over and above the tip that I'm giving you. And, uh, and I'll be back in here, or you know, I've written my name, my number on it, if you have any questions, or something like talk about it. But as they're waiting on you, and you're exchanging pleasantries, and you maybe stir up a little bit of an interaction there, then you give them something and say, you know, this is something that's really important to me, and, and I'd love for you to take five minutes and read through it sometime, and uh, I think it could be helpful okay we didn't get to review your testimonies your written testimonies did you do them yep. did you yep. good deal okay how long did how long a testimony you got
2: well, i did a short one and a mid-length and i was working on the long.
0: okay <laughs> typically people will come back with you know a full page or sometimes even two pages uh, i did a class about a year ago with some ladies and I didn't give them any kind of tips or I just said, "Take write, write out your testimony. And somebody came in with like four written pages and they started, they started sharing it and I stopped them after about the halfway through the second page and I said, too long. It's too long. This is not your biography. It's not your autobiography. You want to get to where you want to get to. Don't make it about you. Use you to set up what you need to talk to them about, which is the gospel. You can always circle back and fill in the questions that they're going to have about your life, okay? You can come back and give them the full version, the memoir version later, but right now, just get to the gospel. So, you know, here's what was going on in my life at one point. I was without Christ. Here's when I came to realize I needed Christ. Here's something that happened in my life that made me realize that Christ was missing in my life and that I was hopeless and headed in a wrong direction i came to christ and here's what's been going on in my life since then okay so you can do that in 60 seconds on a on a marta bus if you need to or a marta train with somebody that's going to get off at the next stop you know you got to have that 60 second version you can have a three minute version you can have a 10 minute version the only time you're going to need a 20 or 30 minute version is if you know, Mormon Tabernacle calls you and wants you to come give your testimony in one of their services. Okay, where they're going to give you an hour to do it.
2: Um, what I tell Sunday school classes: the longer version, put it in your safety deposit box <laughs> because when your family comes to see what shares of the stocks and bonds they get, they're their testimony. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will stop there. We'll we'll uh, go at it.